Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How does a program with five national titles manage to also have seven straight seasons without a winning record? That's the situation Nebraska is in as Matt Rule takes over the Nebraska Cornhuskers program. Hello, it is Friday, April 28th. Maybe the question isn't necessarily how did Nebraska get to this point as much as can it get back to the glory days of Nebraska, where they won five national championships and were a major power throughout the 1990s under coach Tom Osborne. Will Nebraska ever get back to national relevancy? Of course, it's possible. But for right now, Matt Rule, the former coach at Temple and Baylor, and then the Carolina Panthers in the NFL, comes to get back to college football looking to just get Nebraska back to being a respectable program. How does he plan on doing that? What does the future hold? Well, I visited Coach Matt Rule in Lincoln after their spring practices to discuss the state of the program and the future for a program that once was always on the national scene. Coach, thanks for joining us. I wanted to just start with why why Nebraska? I mean, we've, we've read all the stories about you coming up here secretly and visiting campus, walking around and the contract negotiations and everything. A lot of us, we would just say, I'm going to sit out for a year. But you, was it clear to you almost immediately after the Panthers that you wanted to get back into it? I, I wouldn't say immediately. I had this vision of waiting for the right job. And um, I think part of it that, that spurred me on towards this timing was the fact that I was, you know, able to sit out most of that season. You know, I only coached five games. And so I had a chance to really uh, watch football, you know, watch games, be a fan. So I kind of got that, hey, year off experience. Yeah. And, um, but I think, you know, the real reason is just this job. I mean, I, um, you, you look behind me, this is the national championship trophy. It's like, I think when you look back at most blue blood, blue blood programs, many of them have had a time frame, a lull. And then at the right time, the right place, everyone comes together and gets them back to where they're supposed to be. And so, I've had some other jobs where you're trying to take a place you know, somewhere it's never been before. This was like, hey, how do we get it back to where it yeah. was? Immediately what pops in my mind, it's been a while, so people don't really remember it for some reason, but before Saban went to Alabama, they were kind of in the dark ages there for the better part of a decade. They had some success here and there, but Nebraska, as you mentioned, it's almost like we've we've got a, like a lost generation, like a 15, 20 years, and even alums here that, that they re- they remember the success, but it doesn't. It seems so distant. But you can still tap into it. This is the first time I've ever been to Lincoln, but I've heard the stories. And you go around, it's all like, why is Nebraska not successful? Why are they not winning championships? When you go around and look at everything, and when you visited here, 
Was that your immediate reaction? I don't know that I had an appreciation for anything other than the history Yeah, when I got here. And so, you know, first you say to yourself, okay, it's Nebraska, it's Lincoln, Nebraska. You assume it's like out in the middle of a cornfield and then you get here and it's like, wow, like there's a city here. And then you have another city 45 minutes away and there's, you know, there's- Yeah, there's a quarter million people there, No doubt. I mean, Lincoln. You, you come to Lincoln, I mean, there's like, I thought it was gonna be like a one stoplight town and, and a campus <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, my, most of my coaches live on the other side of town. They live 25 minutes away. I mean, it's not like it's like a little small little town, you know, the Haymarket down Downtown. When, when Julie and I drove through there, I was like, "If we can't recruit here, we can't recruit anywhere." Yeah. And I, you know, I've I've recruited a lot of places where you know you have to say like, "Hey, be careful going over here." Hey, please don't go to this side of town. We have all the benefits of a college town. We have all the perks of a small city, but we don't have. Hey, be careful going over here, going over there. So it's a safe place, and I think parents like that. So. I thought Lincoln itself was was one piece. Then, you know, this is a tier one research university. We have a great business school. We have a great engineering school. So kids that are really into getting a great education, they can be here. We have access to Omaha. I mean, there's a ton of elite businesses, you know, Berkshire Hathaway's in Omaha. So you can make connections. I looked at the- They facility. sold my, ha- my house a few years ago, actually. <laughs> and, they, and they did so quickly. T- 10 days, we closed. It's I love crazy. that. You look at the facilities and it's not doing, when you pull into town, it's not like you just see Memorial Stadium. You look to the right, you see Pinnacle Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. You you drive around. I mean, all of the athletic facilities are at, at an elite level. Like this office right here, this is the nicest office I've ever had. And it's going away in a couple months and I'm moving into yeah. the new building. So I said, man, the town is great. The university is great. The resources are great. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, just a beast that we need to awaken. And so I think the other piece is when you really go back and study the last 20 years, you know, Coach Pelini never, never lost. I mean, he, he always won nine games. And so that might not, that might have paled in comparison to what happened in the 90s. But, you know, winning nine, 10 games a year is still pretty impressive. And so it's not like it can't be done. Uh, you know, Coach Riley had had one really good year. I just think for us, it's like, okay, hey, how do we bring everything together? And I think my unique experiences, having been at Temple, having been at Baylor, having gone to the NFL in an age of, you know, transfer portal and NIL, I think the NFL prepared me for this yeah. time as much as anything else. When you were introduced to the Carolina Panthers, I remember the, the owner saying, hey, this is not going to be a fast rebuild here. Of course, you know, things change, GMs change, and then all that happens. And you look historically at your career, Temple and Baylor, it didn't happen right away. It rarely happens right away when you go into any program, let alone the NFL. I hate reliving the past of that, and I'm sure it was painful, but what was it like in those final days with the Panthers? Did it seem like everything was about to end or Oh yeah, it was clear it was it was it was headed in that direction. Um you know, I, I think um I think there's a really you have to have a positive application of pain sometimes. It's something we talk to our players about. So sometimes you're going through something painful. The real pain wasn't losing the job, it was watching the impact on my family. Yeah. On my kids. And, and not you know, some people were very kind, but others weren't. And so I think seeing that it, but I but if the, the what's the positive part? As I left there, man, I, I know that I can withstand anything. And, and even after I left, you know, so many people asked me to, hey, take shots at these people, take shots at these people, take shots at the players. And I never did. I was loyal to the players to the very end. And um, you know what? I, it, it was such a good time for me. It prepared me for this. And I think, you know, sometimes when we go through hard things in life, we're always like, why is this happening to me? I, I chose to say, you know, what am I supposed to be learning from this? You know, what what can I take moving forward? So when I took this job, like I knew, hey, man, I'm, I'm highly prepared. You know, people will talk about sometimes to me like the fishbowl of being head coach at Nebraska because this is a yes, this is a big deal. And um, 
I've been through that fishbowl. I've been through, hey, don't look at social media. Hey, don't turn on the ticker. And uh, But it was good for me. It prepared me for this. And I'm very grateful as a result. Like I'm very grateful to be at a place that cares this much about athletics, this much about football, this much about the student athlete. I don't want, we don't want for anything. We have everything we need to win at a high level. And I don't know that I could ever say that before. I was watching an interview that your boss, Trev Alberts, uh, and Coach Osborne, you guys sat around and talked. And following your career, it's always been amazing to me at how you have adapted depending on where you are. I mean, you went to, to Baylor and the Oregon job was open. You're in discussions with that, but you went to Baylor and, and the situation you inherited there, but just, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> I mean, they had 45 scholarship players, the controversy off the field. You had, what, no connections to Texas? I mean, did you have no, any? No, I never recruited a day in Texas in my life, I don't think. Maybe I visited one kicker one time, I thought, that's it. <laughs> you go there and you're successful. But when Trev Alberts mentions innovation, and Nebraska is known for it, that's how they won and what they were able to do, do things differently. What is it you take pride in that you maybe do differently? I know you're big into analytics, mm-hmm. big into just taking care of your players mm-hmm. with sports science. What, what is it? What's different about Matt Rule? Well, I think, um, and I think it's our whole staff. I, I feel like I feel like the players who play for us feel like there's a lot of structure, there's a lot of discipline and accountability, but they feel like we genuinely care about what happens to them. And I mean, that's that's old school and new school all at the same time. So, like when we get money. And when we've had money in the past and we spend it on them, we spend it on uh, their recovery, their health. You know, some, sometimes families will come in and say, like, do you have an open door policy? I'm like, open door policy? Like, like I have the players to my house. Like, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have really high standards. Like, you can't be a minute late to study hall. There is no, hey, if I'm a good player, I can do what I want. So there's this, there's this which I learned from Coach Paterno, really, like, hey, we're going to hold you to a really high standard, and we're, but we're also going to pour into you so that you have everything you need to be successful. And it's not right for everybody, but people that really want to be high achievers, you know, it's one thing to be a big name. It's another thing to be uh, someone who's really well respected. And so for players and coaches and staff who want to be high, high achievers, we tell them, hey, this is a caring but not coddling environment. This is where this is where highly productive, high achieving people come to be with other highly productive, high achieving people. And so I think that's it. So everything we're, we're always we're always questioning everything. How can we do this better? Like, you know, I was a spread I tried to be a spread coach at Temple year two. We had a top five def, top ten defense, whatever it was. We could we won six games. I changed. How do you win? How do you win at Temple? How did Al win? How did Dazio win? Yeah. Power football defense. Yeah. We win ten games, ten games. Go to Baylor, you go one and eleven. You know, we had a sports science guy there. Andrew Altoff would work with Art. I'd say, show me the practice plans. Show me what Art did. We adapted. We we took some of what we had done, some of what they had done, adapted to the heat. Like yeah. as much as anything else, the heat in Texas yeah. was something we had to manage. And then we win seven games. Then we win eleven. So you know, everyone has a philosophy of how to win. I'm always saying. How do I win here? And how you win here with the wind in Nebraska, with the cold, with the the travel, with the everything that we have here? How do I win here? Is completely different than maybe how I won at Baylor. And um, you know, the 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 process is still the same, but the, the 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 details, the blueprint, they change every place that you go. So I've I've tried to lean on Coach Solich, Coach Osborne. I've tried to study the past to best you know build a new future. So here, I mean, it's early yet. What's that look like? offensively for you? Well, you know, I think we're going to look a lot like we did at Temple. 
Um, yeah. At Temple, we could line up in the eye and pound the football. We could spread out and still run the football. Uh, we could run the quarterback some. We could RPO some. Um, but we were going to run the football on a good day 30 to 40 times. And um, we could, when we threw the ball, we threw it with meaning. Like we dropped back and we would take shots. We would be explosive. And then we want to be elite, you know, situationally. Like I want a big arm quarterback who can push the ball down the field, but someone that can, you know, convert third and five, third and seven, throw touchdowns in the red zone. So even if you watch the way that we practice, it's usually, you know, run play action period, some version of third down, some version of red zone, some version of one minute, two minute type situations. And so I divide everything up in my head in college that way. And so, you know, we're always going to have pretty intricate drop back passing game because no matter what your style is, at the end of the game, when you need to go 80 yards to score, you better drop back and throw it. On third down, you better be, be able to drop back and throw it. And then we'll always build our running game based upon who we have. If we have a running quarterback, we're going to run them. If we have a drop back quarterback, we're going to hand it off. And so that that to me is what we did at Temple. Baylor, we were just a little bit more no huddle spread out all the time. Whereas here, I think we're going to kind of be a little bit more old school, get in the huddle, control the clock, pound the football, take shots, play great defense, win special teams, and let the elements help us as well. Much more with Matt Rule after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You handed the ball off to the fullback in the first the first play <laughs> of the spring game, and, and it was a great, great moment for Frank Solich. But I, I wouldn't expect to see the talking football fullback arc and all that stuff. Or no, I don't think I don't think we're, we're, you know we don't think we're going to be able to recreate some of the things that they did back in the day with all the full you know the, with all the uh, eye options and all that. You know, I think if you ever get the right quarterback, you know maybe you could do a little bit of it. But the rule changes, the blocking. And yeah, everything. you can't cut down the field. Yeah. But I, I do think at the end of the day, when you even when you go back and watch, because you know I have all the '90s film on my computer, we were able to get yeah. it. And you know they would run an option like every ten plays, every eight plays. It wasn't like they came out and they were triple option team. The offense was so diverse. I mean, it was, you know, Coach Ron Brown, who was the receiver coach during that time, and then the running back coach, been here for a long time. They were throwing RPOs in, in 1985. They were coming down the line on option and throwing slants or running the ball. Oh, so yeah. um, they were, Coach Osborne was well ahead of the game in terms of the diversity. My, my defensive coordinator, my entire time as a head coach, was a guy named Phil Snow. He was at Arizona State. They played him. He would always tell us way before I even thought about taking this job or knew I would take this job. He'd say, you know, hey, Matt, 32 personnel groupings, you know, 40 different formations, just they really taxed you. And in the day and age when you turn on tape and everyone's in 11 personnel and they're in the gun and they're running gun zone with an RPO, that's all great football. I love it. We're just going to try to be a little bit different. So the, like you said, everybody's inside zone, outside zone, RPO. Is the future, when we talk about innovation, I mean, when, you, when, you, when I hear the word innovation, people want to maybe assign the word genius to it. But 
you got to be different maybe to be successful in this climate, especially when you inherit a roster where you're still rebuilding and everything. So I guess expect Nebraska probably to be pretty multiple so people have a little bit tougher time preparing for them. Yeah, I think we'll always be that. And I think um, one of my jobs is, you know, I tell the recruits, uh, I tell our guys, if you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school, right? If you want to be a doctor, you would go to medical school. If you want to play in the NFL, you better go someplace that prepares you for the NFL. I mean, I sat through all of those draft meetings and had guys get on the board and I mean, they could, you know, they couldn't draw a thing. And it's like, yeah. that hurts you. Now, you might, what people don't understand is you might still get drafted, but the difference between dra- being drafted, you know, first overall and the last pick of the first round, 32nd overall, it's, it's double, double the guaranteed money. And so it's like, hey, if I could do something for you that got you a million dollars more, you would do it. Well, getting drafted in the third round as opposed to the second round is a lot of different money. And so we want to give our guys an advantage. I want our, I, I got a chance to coach in the NFL. Because all my guys that left Temple and Baylor that went to the NFL, they all loved them. They all had long careers. And so they were like, hey, look, there must be something there. They would come, they'd watch us practice, watch the way we did things. So we've always developed pros. Well, lots of guys can develop professional athletes. Lots of guys can take a five-star kid and get them to be a second-round pick. You know, They can get them drafted. But how often do your players make it to a second contract? I evaluate our development of pros. And I say there's a difference between being a pro and being a professional athlete. Being a pro means you know how to do everything right where they want to keep you around. How many of our guys make $5 million after their first contract? So we're constantly trying to evaluate ourselves. And so I think going to the NFL really helped us. So I want to be diverse so people have a hard time preparing us. But if you're a quarterback for us, like you can come out and you can make checks, you can cam plays, kill plays, audible plays, you have man beaters. Like it might make it a little hard at first for us to be elite, but the benefit will be we'll have a great offense at some point and our guys will be prepared. How important is the state of Texas for you right now in recruiting? I mean, uh, you've got Dr. Elza as chief of staff. You've you've brought in Texas Connections. And we were talking earlier, you, your guy had zero Texas Connections. And here you are kind of bringing that Texas blood into the Nebraska program. How important is Texas for you in recruiting? And tell me about the philosophy of bringing in so many connections. Yeah. So, you know, when I hire those people, obviously they're connected, but you know, even if they have great connections with recruits, they only have those connections with recruits recruits for a couple of years. So, when I go out and meet high school coaches, uh, when I go out and meet administrators, other college coaches, I'm always looking at people I think are difference makers. That I look at them and say, hey, that person could really make a difference for me. Um, there's parts of my job that I'm not good at. And so who Dr. Elza changes the face of our organization when she works there because she she's so elite at what she does administratively. But it's cool to have a lot of people in Texas that have people up here they trust. And Texas is important to me. I think in this class, we signed the most players from Texas for Nebraska since uh, maybe 2008, I think the year was. I'm not sure. I loved high school football in Texas. The guys are really coachable because they get coached all year round. They're tough. They're physical. They know the expectation level. The parents were amazing when I was at Baylor. Like the parents know this is what football's like. And so they, they love football. I think for us, it's important about like, you know, hey, let's not just be an airplane city recruiting base. Let's not just fly into DFW and recruit within 20 minutes. Let's also go out to Tyler. Let's also go out to Amarillo. Let's also go down to, you know, uh, uh, Central Texas. So, not just hitting Houston, Austin, Dallas, obviously you're going to hit those three, but hitting the entire state, recognizing that there's kids in small towns that can really play. That to me is part of our, uh, part of our thought process. And, you know, we were able to get three direct flights. So guys can, guys can drive to the airport in Houston, you know, drive 15 minutes, get on a flight. It's an hour and 45 minute, two hour flight, whatever it is, be in Lincoln, be here. It's just a perfect setup for us. You know, Speed kills, and you love speed, just based off of what we've seen recruiting. And you, people say you, 
you take chances on guys, guys that are quote, quote, like lowly rated, even, you know, by services like our own at 24 seven sports, but take me into the, the mindset, how you go about identifying talent that, you know, everybody's got a camera on them these days. So everybody's getting evaluated, but when you, how do you kind of project someone that quote unquote might be a two or three star into what they might be? Because we see in the temple, you move guys around, they end up being a starting defensive end and pass rusher in the NFL. So what, what do you look for when you're evaluating? Yeah, I'm always looking for traits. I'm looking for height, weight, speed, change of direction, explosiveness at most positions, not at everyone. Yeah. Like, I'm not looking for that at quarterback. <laughs> I'm not even looking for that at running back. I used to. Jeff Nixon, who was my OC at Baylor, longtime NFL running back coach, he's now the running back coach for the Giants. He challenged me all the time on looking for rush skills, like guys who could really rush the football. And sometimes at linebacker, I'm looking for guys who can see it. But for the most part, I'm looking for guys, height, weight, speed. And then I say that, you know, hey, we have, we have good coaches, they should be able to teach you how to play the game. Now, it's not just numbers though. Like, you know, there's guys who are really, really fast, but they can't change direction. So I think there's a matrix there. And, you know, when I was in the NFL the first time, when I was at the Giants, and then over the years, when people would come in, I would talk to them and, you know, they would all talk about how they had standards. Like, hey, to play defensive end for us, he's got to be six foot four, 245 pounds. He's got to have 32. So why wouldn't I recruit somebody who can go be an NFL player? So I think I respect what you guys do. That's so hard. I don't trust myself enough to build my program just off of watching the tape. I, I know if someone's six foot five and can windmill a dunk a basketball, they can, I can probably teach them how to play the C-gap as a DN. Now, I'm also going to look at their tape. They have to be a willing football player, but I like the confirmation of numbers. And, um, you know, sometimes you talk to receiver coaches and I've had guys work for me and they want guys who are smooth and can get in and out of their breaks. I've been on the other side on defense and everyone's afraid of getting run by. And so if I can find Denzel Mims and, and Art recruited Denzel Mims, but I had Denzel Mims and he's a 10, 400 meter guy at six foot four and he's lowly, you know, not highly recruited. Um, and we can get him to go from 180 up to 215. We can get him on the jugs every day and teach him how to run routes. He can get drafted in the second round. Yeah. So I love the guys who, who explode on tape. Don't get me wrong, but it's hard for me sometimes. I'm watching tape of guys to whether we should offer them or not. They're 14 or 15. They're sophomores. I don't, you know, tell me that. So, so show me someone who's really big. Show me someone who's really fast, really explosive. And then I can see like that doesn't go away with time. I wanted to ask there was a quote from you a few weeks ago. People took it as that maybe you were taking a shot at Deion Sanders about hearing at other schools that can't wait for the day, the transfer portal, they can't wait to go out. And I know Colorado is expected. They've had 25 plus players into the transfer portal. Every coach does things differently. One, was that a shot at Deion? And, and secondly, just you got Colorado in, in week two. How difficult is it to be able to like even look at what they're doing and being able to try to figure out like in the offseason, like how do we even start preparing for this program when you don't even know who the players are on the team? First of all, I respect I respect Deion Sanders immensely. He, for as a he, what has he not been successful at in life? <laughs> and uh, you know, I recruited uh, Quaylen Jones yeah. out, out out of uh, uh, his high school there in Texas. So I would never take a shot at Dion. Uh, that being said, I'm going to talk about what we're doing when I talk uh, in the media. I'm talking to our players our recruits and our fans. And for me, in the situation that I was in where we, we don't have five open scholarships, for me to be talking about the transfer portal means I'm saying that, hey, these players have to leave. And I don't, 
even if a player is going to leave, I don't want to put that pressure and anxiety on my own guys. And so my statement was, hey, I choose to focus on, I had I had some really good recruits there that day, and I wanted them to hear it. I'm not worried about the portal guys today, guys. I'm worried about you high school juniors. You're important to me, and how we're going to build Nebraska is with you guys. Everyone's going to look at the portal, we'll see if there's someone that can help them, but I'm going to build this program, and we're going to build this program with high school players. And I wanted my players to know, my focus is on you. And that's that's a message I use a lot in recruiting. You know, a lot of kids will tell me like, hey, coach, you know, such, such and such coach texts me 50 times a day. And I'm like, I'm 48 years old. You're 18, 17. Like, you should be talking to your girlfriend, not me. I'm going to recruit you hard. I'm going to have real conversations with you, but I'm not going to wear your phone out. And I think people appreciate that because they get, they're get they getting two, three, 400 texts a day. Yeah. I'm here to coach my players that are here and then have real conversations with the guy. So that was an important message. I hate that it got flipped that way. I do know, obviously, Colorado was making a big, but so were other people. It wasn't just them. In terms of what they're doing, I think he's, he, Dion's done, a, Coach Prime's done an amazing job of making them highly, highly, highly relevant. Like, it's all anyone's talking about. Luckily, they play a game before us. You know, Shador's there. He's a great player. Travis Hunter's there. He's a great player. I think it's what college football needs. Like, we can't have just a couple schools in the north and a couple schools in the south. And no, we need players, coaches, and schools in Texas to be great. We need Nebraska, Oklahoma to be great. We need Colorado to be great. We need Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC. We need the whole country to have relevant teams. And so having Nebraska, Colorado back for the next two years uh, should be, and Coach Prime's going to make a lot of fun. Hopefully I can keep up. Is this a s- slow build here for Nebraska? Is this something where we're going to be like, okay, year three is when the turnaround is? I hate asking this question just because it's like, well, I want to win now. Yeah. But I mean, reality is what it is. Yeah. This is a better situation, I would think, than you inherited at Temple and Baylor, right? Yeah, the thing with Temple was we were taking over a program that had just jumped from the MAC yeah, to the Big East, became the American. So all those kids had been signed to play one level. We went up a level, so we just had to grow them up. So that's why we went. We went. We went two and ten as a result of that. We, it was they had been four and seven or four and eight the year before. I can't remember. So it wasn't like it was a winning program. I went to Baylor. They had gone seven and six the year before. But as you know, there was a scandal and everyone was gone, and that's why that was what it was. This is a team that you know started off. Really slow, and then you know had to undergo a coaching change. And to their credit, the players stayed really resilient throughout the whole year, finishing with a road win at Iowa. Mm -hmm. And Iowa wins; they go to the Big Ten West Championship game. It gets out before the game that the coach, interim coach, isn't getting the job that I'm getting, which which was was unfortunate. And those kids had the mental toughness to battle through. And so when they showed me that, I said, "Hey, we're going to go there. We're going to try to win right away." Now the key is is that we're not going to take shortcuts, right? We're not going to, you know, not sign any high school kids and sign all portal players and try to win for one year and then take a drop. We signed a good high school class, but we're working on next year's high school class. And so we're just trying to do it the right way. But I think we have a chance to be relevant this year. Is Nebraska a playoff contender in five years? I wouldn't have taken the job if I didn't think it, it could be. I hate to say things will happen because I try to be very humble. I, I talk about humble confidence all the time, but there's absolutely no doubt that Nebraska can win at the highest level. We have too many resources. We're in the middle of the country, which that might not seem like a big deal right now, but as you have to start going to LA one week and Penn State another week, our location matters. Our facilities are elite. Our support's elite. Our fan base is elite, and we're starting to have some of the best players in the country uh, take a look at us. And um, you know, we'll we'll continue to recruit the five star but we'll also continue to recruit the two-star we'll always trust kind of what we believe in and and hope that we can do here what we did at Temple and Baylor which is win championships and produce a lot of pros. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. 
cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.